Thanks for joining me again, Draycott Diaries listeners. You find me walking around the village this morning uh, with my guide dog, Jackie. Come on, Jackie. No, don't sniff. Don't forget you're working. So we are just looking out across the valley and looking to an area where the Strawberry Special used to run, which was an old steam train. I know not a lot about it, only that it um, used to take soft fruit, which was grown very much in this area up on the local line and then it would join various sort of spurs and go off up to London. So I'm just walking along here. Oh, I'm going down some steps. Careful, Jackie. Oh, there's somebody there. Morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Where are you going with your bucket? I'm going to collect my egg. Well, I'll leave you and your, your lovely collie dog. Have a lovely morning. Thank you. So, for a friend of mine, there's a guy called Harry, I know, who's a huge enthusiast on the strawberry line. When I get back, I'm going to give him a call, see if I can get him over for a cup of coffee and ask him a little bit more about the strawberry line. Well, I'm very grateful because this is actually a bank holiday. It's bank holiday Monday and I am talking to Harry Mottram. Now, Harry, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I know you as a freelance journalist and you have written quite a lot of things on the Strawberry Line, which, as the village of Draycott and Rodney Stoke, we all hear bits of history about. We know the pub, we've done a podcast on the pub, we know that you know people literally used to roll over from the pub to the train, and there are still spirits, apparently, of people still doing that to this day. And even though you have said to me quite clearly you're not an anorak, you certainly know a lot about it, so I'm going to really be talking to you about the Strawberry Line, which was originally known as the Cheddar Valley Line, and I'm sure you'll pick me up on this, but I think it opened around 1859, and I think it closed around 1963. So, Harry, a very warm welcome to you. And would you introduce yourself to us? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Harry, uh, Harry Mottram from Axbridge. We've been there about 25 years. I live there with my wife. Our four children all grown up and left home. So, <laughs> And, yeah, I work as uh, the news editor for Bath Voice. It's a monthly news magazine. It's old school, no website, just uh, printed publication and uh, I do other freelance work for a couple of newspapers in Bristol features mostly to do with local history or to do with sport and also I've got a couple of commercial clients as well so I do a lot of business news as well. And at one point I asked you if you were a historian and you quickly said to me that you didn't class yourself as a historian but you seem to know quite a lot about local history. Yeah, I've worked for you know the Cheddar Valley Gazette on three different occasions, various newspapers like the Western Daily Press and the Express and Echo and so on and so forth. And so you sort of mug up a bit on a load of different subjects So because you, you write about anything from a flower show to a murder. And <laughs> local history has always interested me anyway, you know, and I think uh, with the Strawberry Line or the Cheddar Valley Railway Line, I think it dates back to childhood when we used to catch the train down where I used to live in Seaton in Devon. And uh, we used to catch a train to Axminster Market, changing its seat and junction. That line is now a tramway, so at least it's still got rails. But I sort of, I was devastated when it closed in '63 under the beaching cuts. And so when we came to Axbridge, I think I just linked up immediately with the heritage of the Strawberry Line, and that's why I took an interest in it, really. And also, I should say to our listeners that you arrived on your bicycle today. You're you're a keen cyclist. I mean, you must be to have driven over. I mean, is this because you're very green, or is it just that's your preferred mode of transport? 
Now, I wouldn't say I was a keen cyclist in the sense I wear Lycra and stuff like that. No, um, you're not. You're wearing, even with <laughs> my 10% sight, you're wearing a very zazzy, stripy jacket. But, I, yeah, I do cycle, um, and I cycle all over the place. But, yeah, I'm not really um, a super-fast cyclist. I tend to look at the view and stop for a cup of tea and stuff like that. But, yeah, no, it's only five miles, so it's well, quite an easy ride, isn't it? Now, I'm going to challenge you now, because I believe a bird once told me that you've written a poem about the strawberry line. So before I start delving further into the stories of it, would you be kind enough to, to either do it by heart or read it to us? Yeah, I'm going to read it to me uh, to okay. you, because I'd probably forget it otherwise. OK. Uh, yeah, I wrote it as part of the Axbridge pageant, which takes place this August, the bank holiday, because uh, I rewrote a lot of the scenes to bring them up to date, and I just wanted to... Uh, do basically a tribute to John Betjeman's style of poetry with the strawberry line. Strawberries for the morning tables, served under gleaming hotel gables, sent in punnets from Axbridge Station to London, Glasgow, Bristol, Paynton, to be sliced and served for tea on tennis lawns at half past three. Stacked in crates along the platform, cheddar cheese and sacks of corn and clanking churns up Hobbs's Lane await the whistle of the early train. Picked by sun-browned Axbridge hands, our fruit that gave a line its brand. Opened in 1869, christened in cider and vintage wine, top-hatted officials in black frock coats, white blackened eyes of soot and moats. From Wells to Yatton and down the line, hail the scenic, celebrated strawberry line. Mind the gap and close the doors, don't dare pull the emergency cord. Winscombe Tunnel to Western Bay, past fields of summer golden hay. A horse and cart fording a stream are left behind in a bar blast of street steam. It took wartime children on excursions past county towns to far-flung relations and raw recruits to Flanders Fields and tax inspectors to Sh South Shields. The strawberry line came to this town, Paddington in a day for half a crown. Yes, in the thin grey morning rain, Await the whistle of the Draycott train, smoke and steam and well-oiled steel, screaming, shunting, squeaking wheel. Grab your bags and in you climb, and take a ride on the strawberry line. Oh, that's so, yeah, lovely. So that's, that's sort of part and parcel of the Axbridge pageant, because I've written an anthem and uh, various other bits and pieces of poetry, but also the script has been massively updated so it's a bit more relevant well, to thank the 21st you. century there we are that was great i love it i love yeah. it it is the, the two coming <clears throat> together isn't it yeah i mean in the poem i put 1869 um i, I think it's because it rhymed <laughs> well do you know actually, i don't think it matters does actually, it actually i think when i checked it there was a celebration of in the town hall in axbridge in 1869 of the strawberry line there's like a big meal and uh, all all the great and the good were invited but in fact, there's several dates because it was opened in bits and pieces um, by three different companies over the years. And you had the broad gauge and you had the narrow gauge. And <clears throat> so it didn't really come together until sort of, you know, the late 1860s, really. And so even then, some of the stations weren't actually open. In fact, I can tell you that they start at Yatton, uh, Yatton to Witham. Um, so you've then got Kongsbury, you've got Sanford and Banwell, which Banwell's actually about a mile or so from the... The, the actual station. Sanford station is still there and actually Kongsbury platform is still there which is part of the strawberry line you sort of go in between the two sides of it and Kongsbury had a diversion it's a branch line that went up the uh, towards Blagdon which was a separate little line as well. Then after Sanford Winscombe platform is still there and they still have the they have a fair there every, every year and that's quite well looked after except the building's gone Axbridge the line went along the uh, or goes along now the bypass the A370 
but the youth club and the sea cadets still use the actual station building itself. Cheddar, unfortunately, most of it has gone, but there's uh, around where you've got the cathedral stonemasonry yard is where most of the, um, there was a pl platform, there were sidings, and there was actually a cafe, and you could even buy a pint of beer and a sandwich there. Draycott, as we know, we're sort of sort of on the line here in your house. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I should mention that... Parts um, of the buildings are Yes, there. we are yeah. sitting in a house that has actually been built <laughs> where the strawberry line... So if ever they do actually bring it back, yeah. my friend and editor Rob will have people in Lycra going through his <laughs> conservatory. <laughs> yeah, and then after Draycott, you've got Lodge Hill, Wookiee, Wells, where there were three stations, and then after they linked it up to the Witham line, so it went through right the way from Yatton, you've had Shepton Mallet, High Street, Mendit Vale, Merrifield Lane, Cranmore West, Cranmore, Mere Head, Quarry, Wanstrow, Witham, and I apologise to anyone I've missed out. <laughs> I don't think you have. I think you've been extremely thorough. But for the sake <clears throat> of um, Draycott Diaries and for the sake of kind of my interest when I went out, because I do a lot of walking with my guide dog Jackie, if we could concentrate probably, just for the moment, more on the, 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 the Yatton to Wells section. Yeah. Because obviously where we live here, I mean, obviously our, our listeners here know this, but those who, who are not, we, we live what we call in the uh, strawberry capital of the world. And we live in a perfect location here where we have the Mendips one side, we, we're south facing and then we go out to the levels. So that train was used, was it not, for sometimes carrying the soft fruit? Yeah. I mean, and where did it go to? Where did the soft fruit then go literally, on to? Literally, I mean, I, I remember talking to a guy who used to live next door to us. He was on holiday in Scotland and they had Axbridge strawberries at the hotel. And they'd come up the night before. So they literally were taken, obviously, initially to Bristol, but they also went down to Exeter as well. And because of the trains, you could get them up to London in, what, three, four, five hours. And so they would be fresh at the Covent Garden or if you took them further afield. In those days, with our fantastic trains system that we had, soft fruit could be, uh, and of course nowadays you'd fly them in from Spain, etc. But then you could take them and they'd be fairly fresh the next day. So that, that's why it worked. And all along this valley, as you know, the slopes up to the Mendips, they're perfect for growing fruit and vegetables. And so they scrubbed out a lot of those fields all along the valley and they were very, very profitable. There's not too many left now, but... Then, of course, after, after the railway changed, uh, was closed, you had the problem of freight, and it wasn't quite the same, and it was a bit slower. But also, by then, the world was shrinking, and uh, you could bring stuff in th from France and Spain and such like. So <clears throat> the market began to change anyway, and, and now you'd be hard-pressed to find Axbridge strawberries in any supermarket, unfortunately, mm. apart from possibly the farmer's market once once a month. And obviously the Draycott strawberries, yeah. the Seeger stall, for example, they yeah. sell them at the top of the road. And that's when you start seeing all the stalls, don't you, on the, yeah. the main Wells Road. But are you saying, Harry, that before we move on to actually how it was built and stuff, do you feel that when it was closed, it damaged that part of community? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not the only one to say that it was industrial sabotage. I think it was beaching cuts were driven by two things. One was, don't forget, it was nationalised at the time, so it was... Uh, losing money hand over fist as people were buying cars and changing their mode of transport. But also, there was uh, it was driven, and it's been well documented by members of parliament who had long-standing interests in freight transport groups and construction of motorways, which obviously helped um, to speed up the distribution of goods around the country. And so, I mean, I, th I think there was, a, there was a book, I can't remember the name of it, The Great Railway Conspiracy, 
David Henshaw, who, who outlined some of the dodgy dealings that were going on in Parliament to bring this about. But trains have been in decline since, you know, the mid-50s, really. So it wasn't just the freight transport businesses were pushing for it uh, and the construction of motorways and dual carriageways and, and car manufacturers. It was also, there was a general decline. But I think now trains have never been more popular mm. and also more expensive as well. It's, in mm. fact, it's a lot cheaper to fly to Scotland than mm. it is to catch the train, mm. which is a tragedy. Um, but uh, hopefully they are, there is... For the first time ever, they've started to reopen one or two lines. Whether that ever happens here, I don't know. It would be wonderful if they could open wells, wouldn't it? (laughs) It would be very useful, yeah. Oh, so let's go back a little bit on the history of it. Who actually built it? I mean, who physically built it? Well, it was uh, was designed... The the chief engineer was Francis Fox, who was a local guy. Local um, where? I understand he lived in Wales. Oh, okay. Um, so he was he was the main guy that uh, designed it from Wells to Yatton, and that included, of course, the um, 165 meter tunnel through Shoot Shell, which had to be blasted and dug out. And then there's a whole series of bridges, as you know, and there's embankments. So it was a major undertaking, but it was done in bits, so it wasn't done all at one go. And, it was, and were the were, workforce. Were they all from this area, or did they bring any in from from other places to work on the railway? A huge amount were from the area, but people, don't forget, we're talking about mid-Victorian yeah. times when there's a massive building spree going on across the country, uh, not just railways and canals, but ports, harbours, cities, bridges, everything you can think of as the Industrial Revolution really took off. So people were coming in from Ireland and also from abroad as well, and, and uh, Scotland, which is why you get so many different surnames cropping up in uh, telephone directories up and down the countries from other parts of the world. But largely, largely in this part of the world, they would have come from the Somerset and Bristol area to work. Okay. And I know um, from various podcasts I've done, because, you know, any local person here obviously always makes reference to it, because it's sad, so especially the more elderly residents here, because it has such resonance resonance also with with their life and I know a friend of mine who I lost quite recently very sadly Audrey when she was a child she would go on the on the line to school in Wells and I think it was those old type of carriages where were they sort of individual carriages where uh, little boys apparently would put planks of wood through the handles so that they couldn't get out <laughs> and things like that. I mean, to, to think, you know, health and safety these days that you would have a single... I remember it from my youth, you know, you'd have these single carriages. Compartments, yeah. Compartments, I, with the, with the, with the corridor. Yeah, I remember Alex Duncan, a friend of mine, <coughs> he remembers catching a train from Banwell, right, the, or, or Sanford rather, to Wells for Blue School every single day in the 40s and very early 50s. And, yeah, he said, yeah, he said exactly those sort of tricks he used to play. <laughs> Unscrew the light bulb in the, um, in the compartment as you're going through the tunnel so that you could grab hold of the schoolgirl who's opposite you. Um, he remembers a couple of guys that sat very close together in, in army uniform and he thought it was a bit odd. But when they got up, he noticed they were in handcuffs. Obviously, it was uh, NCO taking oh. uh, uh, somebody who was on a, you know, to run off basically to uh, back back to prison or back to the army camp. Oh. And, I, know, yeah. I know one of Audrey's highlights was. Um, sorry, Harry, interrupted. No, but no. One of our highlights was 
I think they were bombing Western Supermare or something, were they? One day the train could not run. Yeah. I mean, if you think the trains rarely run these days, <laughs> and the fact that on that one day, that, that one day only, they yeah. stopped the running loop because obviously it was during the war. Yeah. But that, getting the train from Draco was so iconic. And she drew this picture of the old waiting room and the station master would light the fire. And and I think also the fact that it had you know has the pub opposite. It mm. is just... It, you couldn't paint a more village scene, could you? No, I mean, it was very much part of the community, which is why it's so devastating for so many businesses and, and people when it closed. I mean, there was an alternative bus service, which people used to say was slightly cheaper than catching a train, but no, it was, it was a, a blow which many uh, communities never really recovered from, only until sort of comparatively recently. I mean, it, talking about the train the line being closed, there was another time when it closed in sixty. 62, 63, the big freeze, when it froze over here in Draycott. I can't remember if I've got the, uh, the clipping here. But basically, the line was completely blocked with snow. Um, it was well documented, and the train got completely snowed in. I don't know. Of course, your <laughs> listeners can't see the photographs. No, but give us but, an audio um, description. The good thing about being blind is you have to give us an audio <laughs> description. Yeah, it was here at Draycott. There was... Um, I'll just read this. Uh, yeah, this was fr it. from uh, Colin Force, who was at Yatton, and uh, he wrote a book called A Life on the Railway Line. My adventure started on Tuesday the 2nd of January 1963. It had been snowing on and off since Boxing Day, and it was beginning to build up quite deep in places when my fireman, Clive Joslin, and I set sail for Yatton. We had a Class 22XX that morning, and with some difficulty, difficulty made it to Wells. The Yatton engine driver clocked on for the early shift the following morning in the early hours and was asked to brave the snow again. He said that morning we had an Iver Class 2 46506 tender and locomotive. We went light engine to Yatton where we took on water and I picked up a packer's shovel which was going to be very useful later that day. Basically when they then returned they encountered a massive snowdrift. They kept going here there was a kind of a a cutting near Draycott and it became completely stuck and they had to give up in the end. The inspector didn't have the knowledge to see as he was from Stourbridge. Well we got to Cheddar and the signalman said it's rough out Draycott way. There's a cutting in the chip by the chicken farm and all the snow from the Mendip blows down onto it and fills it up. On we went into the blizzard and about 180 yards from Draycott station we got stuck. Up near the level crossing we were snowed in and we couldn't move. And then he describes how they had to then walk back and eventually another train came along and tried to get them out by pulling them out. That failed. Basically, the, the line was closed for, I think it was three to four days before they eventually cleared all the snow. So it does get closed occasionally. <laughs> well, it does. But yeah. if you think it was an old steam train and yeah. now we have this kind of smart diesels and even if there's a leaf on the yeah. track, it stops. The fact that they did set off with shovel and... Um, yeah, stuff, you know, 62, they're, they're... 63, the big freeze was quite different, wasn't it? I don't, I'm sure we all remember it. I, I certainly do. From, from Yes, yeah. I think so. I mean, I haven't been... I mean, I've only been in the village for 25 years. So I'm an incomer. Yeah. So I don't remember it so well. I mean, I've never, sadly, ever saw it actually in action, which I would love to have done. And, Harry, the other question was, was it... What was it mean? I mean, obviously we know it was used for fruit. And we obviously know the industrial things that it was used for. Did it ever carry live cattle? Yeah, it carried livestock. In fact, the farmers had their own wagons. Jim Lukens of Axbridge, still alive, um, Townsend Farm, he said they'd have their own wagons in the, sides, in, the, in the sidings there and they would take livestock to market in Wells and then it would go down to Glastonbury. 
it could go to Glastonbury and then across to Highbridge where you had another market. I mean, there were more livestock markets in those days. So it was quite common. Yeah, I mean, I remember catching a train as a child. Yeah, people would be taking crates of chickens and uh, all sorts on the train. So one, one carriage you might have strawberries, one you might have cattle, one you might have school children locked in by cruel boys. Yeah, you'd, have a, you'd separate freight from passengers. Oh, would you? Yeah. Oh, OK. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they would be special ones for livestock, generally speaking. But, yeah, no, it was uh, common practice. And the operation of the train, how many people would... You'd obviously have the driver, and presumably you'd have somebody shoveling the coal, the farmer. Yeah. Would guard. you have a guard? Yeah. Was it just the three? That I don't know. This is where my lack of anorak knowledge comes No, 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 sure I don't want you to been, be an anorak. I'm pretty sure that would have been about right. Yeah, the, the guy used to come along and collect the tickets, didn't he? So um, that would have been the guard. If only they could uh, have that number of people on trains today, there yeah. would be uh, less unemployment, but there we are. And do you know how often they would run? Well, pretty regular, because even the Rington line, which came off from Kongsbury and went up to Blagdon, that was four times a day. Wow. So, uh, you know, you can see how few people would have caught that train. So, yeah, I think it was pretty much, uh, I wouldn't say on the hour, but it was pretty regular throughout the day. Gosh. Yeah. Well, as a bus user now, oh, God, I wish, I, I wish we had a train. I wish we had a train. Can I just ask one thing? Which when So this Cheddar Valley line, the Strawberry Line, because it was renamed the Strawberry Line because of the romance with the strawberries, it came into Tucker Station in Wells, mm. is that correct? That's as far as I understand, yeah. How would cargo then, do you think, hmm. have got to London? Because that wasn't the, the, the line that went to London, is it? No, you go, I mean, you go through Wells. Once Once they linked it up to the Witham, Witham yeah. is on the, on the Waterloo line, Waterloo oh, to Exeter. OK. Or you go from here, you go up to Yatton, and then you can take the train to Paddington via Bristol and Bath, obviously. So it can go go either way, really, depending on which which end of the line you're at, which part of London, I suppose, you're going to, <laughs> I guess. OK, I often wondered how that worked. Yeah. So when it opened, you talked at the beginning of this that there was quite a ceremony of the opening. Yeah, as far as I'm understanding. Um, I, I, I did a, a piece on it for for the paper a long time ago. But, yeah, I, in the annals of Axbridge, yeah, they had a big do, really. They drank an awful lot of gin. <laughs> Sounds like my kind <laughs> roast, of opening. Roast beef. Where did sorts. it take place? In Axbridge Town Hall. Oh, did it? Which, okay. Uh, so, yeah, so it's quite a big deal. It's one of the funny, interesting things about the line as well, Winscombe was actually Woodborough. Winscombe is actually up on the hill. And you think of Winscombe Village and you think of the co-op on the corner and you think of the, you know, the, the lingerie shop and, the, and then there's a kebab shop, isn't there? Yeah, and, and fish and chips. Stuff, right, fish and, and chips. Fish and chips. Yeah, really but good. actually, it was actually Woodborough. But there was a Woodborough already in Wiltshire on the line and they thought it was, it was confusing. So people would sometimes get out at the wrong Woodborough. Um, so they <laughs> renamed it Winscombe because the ah. village of Winscombe is up on the hill with the church. I don't know if you know it. It's away from Wood, uh, Winscombe, actual central Winscombe. But I, when I was working on Wiltshire Times, I, I, I took it upon myself to go to Woodborough to see. And the station's closed. They could, so oh, no! <laughs> so they could have re renamed it, but... Uh, They've stuck with Winscombe now. Oh, okay. Because the pub in Winscombe is the Woodborough. Yeah, I know. Well, well so. I shouldn't do, but I know most of the pubs in the <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, moving on slightly into kind of 
present times. It, it closed, well, well, not so present times, closed in 1963. And as you were saying earlier, you know, you felt there could have been potentially some politics and conspiracy going on. But it, it did close, and, and sadly those are the facts of it. The track was taken up, was it, quite quickly? I mean, what happens when a train line is closed? Well, initially the track remained, because in fact it didn't shut to freight until 64. Oh, didn't and it? And so okay. um, it's, there are still trains going through. And it, it's, you know, it's, it was a universal thing across the, across the country. You know, I can remember from where I used to live in Seaton and Devon, it's exactly the same thing. The line was still there for a long time afterwards. And then they started to pull it up because they could sell the metal. And then they could sell the sleepers. A lot of farmers bought them, so they put their um, first, you know, they could use that for bar in barns and stuff, and they could use, sell the sleepers for, I think it was half a crown a go, if I remember, from Axminster Ax Station. And then eventually it slowly started to um, deteriorate, you know, the weeds and the plants. Uh, there's a guy that I met, he wasn't from Draycott, he was somewhere around here, but he was employed by the government to uh, destroy the stations uh, in the valley lines in Wales, blow them up, literally dynamite, because they were being used for, you know, by vandals, the windows being smashed and stuff like that. Seemed a massive waste of resources. And a lot of the buildings, like the one at Winscombe, for instance, were demolished. It seemed to be industrial sabotage, in my opinion. And bit by bit, they were either sold off bits and pieces to, you know, people, landowners, or sometimes they were literally, you know, land grabs by some people who still don't technically own the, the line, but, mm. you know, they use it as farmland. Or Is there whatever. any track left at all on that line? I mean, any... If women... you go to as far as uh, the other side of Dalting, there is, because they still use that bit of the line for, as a quarry. Ah, OK. So, so that there is technically still some... <laughs> But yeah, that's about the only bit that's being used it? commercially. It's a bit like the one that goes round um, from Exeter through round to Tavistock. There's still a, a chunk of that is used by a quarry as well. Okay, okay. We live in a life now of, of recycling and biodiversity and, and the politics of why it stopped is probably another programme in itself, but it did stop. There was hopefully some recycling from the, from the track. But there seems to be a great sense, and there has been for a few years now, to try and utilise it for something. It's such a, you know, it's hard, I mean, obviously we're in a house that's built, well, where part of it was, but, you know, there is certain navigation that would have to happen. But there's been this drive, has there not, and certainly, you know, as I said, you were open with the fact that you came on your bicycle, by cyclists and indeed those who love flora and fauna to, to still make use of it, but in a different way. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes a perfect walkway and cycleway. And it's not unique. I mean, there's places all over the country now where you can go cycling along former railway tracks. And they're great because they're often like corridors of green, aren't they? In fact, yes. the section from Sanford to Winscombe, I, I always call it the corridor of trees because there's literally a tree every few yards on either mm. side. So on a winter day, it's quite useful because it's not too, too... It's well protected, in other words. And, of course, it, they also act as kind of lines for wildlife to get through into towns and cities like the two tunnels in Bath is a classic example you know I think where they're not utilized it seems such a shame not to use them as footpaths and, and cycleways but I mean th this one the strawberry line that was began to be pioneered by I think they would call themselves like the strawberry line walkers I can't remember there is a book about it they pioneered it and they started to pressure the local council to clear the path and and uh, that began around the Winscombe area, but uh, eventually it's now pretty well clear, beautiful path from Yatton all the way 
to just past Shoot Shelf, and then you cross the A38 where there would have been a bridge. There's a little bit of a path, and then you're into Axbridge, and then you've got a path from there to, to Cheddar, and there's one or two other little bits. There's adulting, I think there's a, there's a new section that's opened as well. But there's no section in Draycott, is there? No, there isn't. It's a great shame. Um, <laughs> where would it go? <laughs> well, it would have to snake around. I mean, at Sandford, it snakes around the sewage works and the, and the cider farm because, right. it, you know, it's been taken over. That Otherwise, you have to go ri- literally through the sewage works if you're going to reopen the line as it was. Oh. So in places, they sort of accommodate it, don't they? To, to Whether it'll ever get to um, Clevedon, as we mentioned earlier, yes, you'd because... have to cross the M5. <laughs> but uh, most so that of that line is still there. I mean, it's still, if you cycle up that, because really? yeah. the idea, I mean, the, just to, these, these are only facts, they're just very small research that I've done. The Strawberry Line itself was about just over 10 miles, wasn't it, long, from Yatton to Cheddar or to... Yeah, Yat- Yatton to actually is about eight, nine miles, and then it's about eight, nine miles to Wells, and then it's about eight, nine miles to sort of out towards Cranford. Okay, so okay. it's about 30 miles-ish-ish. So the cycle path... What uh, is they want to try and make it from the coast, Clevedon, through to Mendip Vale? Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I think so. <laughs> yes, it'd be, be very yeah. nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Harry, yeah. thank you so much for talking to Draycott Diaries today. May I wish you all the luck in the future and with the pageant that's coming up in Axbridge. Yeah. There's a lot of work going on there. And, um, and particularly, thank you for giving up your bank holiday Monday to cycle over all the way from Axbridge to Draco. <laughs> and I'm sorry there wasn't a train that could bring you here. <laughs> that's, that's fine. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it would be so nice, wouldn't it? If we had a train from Wells. Oh, I don't know anywhere, really. <laughs> But it was so good talking to Harry and I've got such a lovely picture in my brain of of the train being snowed in in Draycott. Lovely stories. Thank you, Harry. So join us again in a month's time. And in the meantime, it's a very, very, very big thank you to Rob Elliott, who sound recorded and edited this episode. And we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Stay safe out there. <laughs>